the Torah reading for Yom Kippur is very interesting. The morning reading, of course, is taken from the 16th uh, chapter of Vayikra, and it's a description of the service of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. Uh, that service, known as the Avoda, of course, is also part and parcel of the Musaf service, where we reenact the Avodah Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippur also has a reading for Mincha. And the Mincha reading of Yom Kippur traditionally is the 18th chapter of Vayikra. It's a list of the forbidden relationships. And the Haftorah is the book of Yonah. So those are the two readings for Mincha. And they're both interesting. For one thing, Yom Kippur is a fast day. And on every fast day at Mincha, we are reading what's called Vayichal. Vayichal is about Moshe's intercession after the golden calf. And that reading contains, among other things, the Yudim Bidot, the attributes of God's mercy. One would have expected that if there's any day in the year when Vayichal is the appropriate reading, it has to be Mincha and Yom Kippur, given the fact that these Yud Gimel Midot, also known as Slichot, are recited throughout the Yom Kippur day. So a perfect reading for Yom Kippur would be, uh, of course, Vayichal. But instead of Vayichal, we read chapter 18 of Vayikra. As far as the Haftorah is concerned, the standard Haftorah for a fast day is taken from Yeshayahu Tirshu Hashem Bikimatso Kiraul Bioto Karov Seek out God when God is to be found. And that Haftorah, at least according to one view, is the Haftorah that's recited for Shabbat Shuva. We have a different practice. But the point being is that Tirshu Hashem Bikimatso was also quite appropriate for Yom Kippur, given the fact that we are presuming that God is present during our Yom Kippur service, that is an appropriate time for repentance. It's the season of repentance. And therefore, God is behemoth so. In fact, on the Yom Kippur service itself, He must We ask God be present when we seek you. So these two readings would seem to be very appropriate for Yom Kippur, but instead of them, we have the 18th chapter of Ayikra, and then we have the book of Yonah. So as far as the 18th chapter of Ayikra is concerned, it's actually interesting in the following sense. Yom Kippur is, of course, a fast day. On the other hand, it's one of the holidays, it's a holy day, and in fact, the holy day to which it's often compared is the Shabbat. Yom Kippur is Shabbat, Shabbaton. We know that on Shabbat we have Torah readings. In fact, the cycle of Torah readings centers around Shabbat. Over the course of the year, we are completing the Torah. So Yom Kippur, Mincha time, one can ask the question, is the Yom Kippur Mincha reading a reading of a fast day? Or is the Yom Kippur Mincha reading 
a reading of Shabbat, because Shabbat afternoon we also read the Torah. This is a question that's debated, actually. I'm not the first to ask this question. But it strikes me that the choice of chapter 18 would suggest that it is seen as a continuation of the morning's reading. That's what we do on Shabbat. We read the Torah and we continue to read it. We continue with the next week's parsha at Mincha. So here too, one can see chapter 18 is a continuation of chapter 16. If we ask the question, well, shouldn't chapter 17 be a better continuation? There's a twofold answer. First of all, chapter 18 does deal with forbidden relationships, arayot, which are certainly a, an area of concern. Yom Kippur being a day of uh, repentance for sin. And secondly, chapter 17 in particular might be an inappropriate reading for Yom Kippur. Chapter 17 focuses on the prohibition of bringing sacrifices outside the temple precincts. But given the fact that on Yom Kippur, the primary sacrifice, always one of the two primary sacrifices, that atones for the sins of Israel, known as the Sa'ir Azazel, the scapegoat sacrifice, is specifically a sacrifice that's brought outside the temple precincts. It's sent out into the desert bearing the sins of Israel. So perhaps chapter 17, which emphasizes the prohibition of bringing sacrifices outside the temple precincts, was deemed to be a particularly inappropriate uh, parsha to read on Yom Kippur. So instead of reading chapter 17, we simply skip to chapter 18. And the reading of Yom Kippur Mincha time has the cast of a Shabbat reading. In any event, coming back to these two choices, and in particular the story of Yonah that we read, the book of Yonah that we read in Mincha, and the relevance to Yom Kippur. The book of Yonah, of course, features this Yonah, Yonah ben Amitai, the prophet, who was sent in the beginning of the book to Nineveh. Yonah is sent to bring God's word, uh, to deliver God's message to the great city, Ir which is Nineveh, Kra'aleha, Proclaim upon it. We have it in the Chumash. The Torah says, Do not mistreat the widow, the orphan, because they may call up about you to God. It means they will complain about you to God. So here it's a complaint. It precisely what Jonah is to say is unclear. That's how the book begins. And Jonah, as we all know, does not want to carry out this mission. He runs away. He goes down to uh, Yafo in the third pasuk. Vayered Yafo, vayimtza oniyah bar Tarshish, vayitain schara, vayered bar gavoyimahem Tarshisha miyufnei Hashem. So he goes on a boat, finds a boat headed towards Tarshish. He's running away, and the book of Yonah says, 
he pays the fee. He pays the fare. Why did the Torah act? Why did the Book of Yonah mention the fare? And it strikes me that it says something about Yonah, the kind of person Yonah is. He's someone who pays his fare. He doesn't believe in getting something for nothing. He's going to pay his way. But the flip side of it is, of course, someone who believes you have paid for everything you get is not someone who necessarily might, might think that maybe sometimes you get something even though you didn't pay. Which, of course, is at the heart of the book. Because Yonah ben Amitai, as he's known, son of truth, is someone who is deeply concerned about what he thinks is truth. And this comes to bear in the fourth chapter of Yonah, after Yonah has gone to Nineveh. He goes to Nineveh in chapter 3, having been spit out by the great, by the great fish, the Dag Hagadol, by Yaman Hashem Dag Gadol in the beginning of chapter 2. Jonah is living inside this great fish for three days where he prays. And then God commands the dog who spews Yonah out upon the dry land. And Yonah then goes to Nineveh after God's second command. Shenit, kumrech el Nineveh ir agdola, ukro eileho et akriya, asher anochi dover eilecha. So now God says, go to Nineveh and proclaim to it what I tell you. So here there are specific directions what to say. Notice that the first instance is ukra oleha, proclaim judgment upon it. But the second time, ukra eleha, he's talking to the people of Nineveh. So he only goes to Nineveh. In one day he's in Nineveh. And Yonah's proclamation is, Odar Baim Yon, the Nineveh Pachet. Forty days more, and Nineveh Nehepachet. Nehepachet means to be overthrown. Rapoch means to turn over. And the book of Yonah says that the people of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaim a fast. And they put on sakwas, migadolam fiat ketanam, from the great to the small. The king of Nineveh himself gets off his throne, takes off his robe. Vayechas sak, he puts on sakwas, vayeshev ala efer, and he sits, sits in ashes. Vayazek vayomer, he issues a proclamation, mitama melechu gdolav, from the king and his nobles, the gdolim. The human being nor beast shall eat. They shall not graze and not drink. They should always sacrifice. The human and the beast. And cry out to God strongly. They should return from their evil ways turn back from their evil ways and from the injustice, from the Hamas, the wickedness, the injustice which is in their hands what they've taken inappropriately perhaps God will change God's mind God will return this is the repentance of the city of Nineveh from the king on down from the great to the small 
not just the people, but the Adam Uvehema. And God sees they restore, they turn back from their wicked ways. And God repents of God's desire to do evil to them. The theme of Adam Uvehema appears at the very end of the book as well. And God says to Yonah, How can I not have pity on Nineveh, the great city, which has more than 120,000 people in it? who don't know their right from their left, Ubehema Rabbah, and many animals. So Yonah actually was a very successful prophet. Maybe the most successful prophet who ever lived. He comes to a city. He makes a speech of several words. Very brief. And the whole city repents. And the city is spared. The prophet Jeremiah spends about 50 chapters railing against Israel and Jerusalem it didn't help. And Yonah proclaims four, five, six words and everything is changed. And Yonah doesn't like this. Yonah is opposed to God repenting of the evil. That's how chapter 4 begins. Yonah was greatly displeased. And he prays to God. And he says in chapter 4, this is what I said from the very beginning. This was my thought from the beginning. This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew, I know you. I know who you are, says Yonah. And he repeats, essentially, the Yud Gimumidot that we found in the story of the Ego, that we have in the story of the Meraglim, that appears in several other places in the Tanakh. But here it's interesting. He starts, and But the next word in the Yud Gimumidot, in the Ego, is Emet. And Jonas switches, Emet, to Nicham al So here, it would appear that what Yonah is saying, Ben Amitai, son of truth, I know who you are. You're a God who's Nicham al but you're not a God who's truthful. You're not a God who is Emet. And Yonah's question is, why should you let them off the hook? Why should you forgive them? They have done evil in the past, as you yourself have said, and perhaps Yonah is thinking, that they may do evil in the future. The city of Nineveh, we find it in the Chumash, in conjunction with, it's a city which is built by Ashur, it says, and Ashur. Ashur is coming out of Shinar, out of Bavel. There too, Bavel is a city, and the people in Bavel want to build, build a city, Umigdal Vroshel Bashabayim. They want to build a city whole world will live there and it has a migdal, it has a tower. We notice that in the verse relating to Nineveh, it's not clear what the reference is, it's not clear whether it's Nineveh or Resin, but there's a relationship here between Babel on one hand as the big city, they want to build a tower to heaven, and uh, And uh, the city of and the city of Nineveh, 
And in the book of Yonah, the word Gadol, Gedola, appears throughout the book. It appears 15 times throughout the book. So Yonah has a Ra'ad Gedola. And the reading of this book, actually, at the end of Yom Kippur, raises the question about repentance, which is, do we really believe in it? Does it make any sense? Do we believe that it's right to forgive what's been done in the past? Do we believe that we can simply presume that people will change, that in the future they'll behave differently? That's the question Yonah, in effect, is is asking. He's saying, there's something about this which is not true. The question, of course, in the book of Yonah is what is God's response? Does God agree with Yonah? Nonetheless, nonetheless, I forgive them. Or does God disagree? From God's response at the end of the book, it's very hard to tell. But it sounds like what God is saying is, and this is subject to different interpretations, God says, How can I not have pity on Nineveh, the great city, which has 120,000 people who don't know the difference between the right and the left, Ubehema Rabbah. So here the last verse comes back to the theme of Adam Ubehema. Adam Ubehema reminds us of the truth in the Chumash that the human being and the animals were created on the same day. That the human being and the animals are God's creations. And that God does not treat God's creations as an objective bystander. God treats God's creations as one treats something that one cares deeply about. So what's true for this world, perhaps, the truth of this world, the reality of the world, is that this is the way God has chosen to perceive the world. Of course, it involves in the book of Yonah an act of repentance on the, by the people of Nineveh, beginning with their leader. And you have this theme, in terms of repentance, of one who is... Gadol, right? Because it's a great city. And, in fact, the king's decree is issued from Hamelech Ugdolav. And you have this movement from getting off the throne and going down into the ashes, of lowering oneself into the ashes, of crying out, of accepting the possibility that your repentance will not be accepted. Miyodea Yeshuv, v'nicham erokim, v'shav mecharon apo, v'lon so it's very interesting that in the story of Yonah, one of the themes that runs through the story, of course, is the story of Noah. In the story of Noah, the world is destroyed, but God destroys everything except for Noah. Noah, God is Hashem ki adam but Noah, who's named Noah because his Parents said, Noah continues the world. Noah is the world, and Noah takes the animals, the Adamu Behemah. That's the world that God spares. In the book of Yonah, though, there's a different move, which is God spares not only one particular individual and one small group of animals, but in the book of Yonah, God is represented as sparing 
Ha'ir Hagdola, the great city, because the great city consists of people and animals that are God's creation, and because God chooses to see their behavior not as a behavior of people who are by their nature very wicked, but rather people that don't know the difference. This is how God chooses to see it. People by their nature are not typically wicked. People by their nature are ignorant and make mistakes. And in fact, it takes us back to the very beginning of Yom Kippur. But as we're about to begin Yom Kippur, the court convenes and says that the sin will be forgiven because in some deep sense they have sinned unwittingly because they're unaware. So given the fact that people are basically unaware and given the fact that here they set on a path to change their ways, God looks favorably upon these people. And that for the book of Yonah is the great truth of the way the world works. That's God's response to Yonah. What you say is not emet, but I say for my world, this is my truth.